Hello. Hello. Yes, we are here. This is... Oh, I know you're in for a treat. I'm Kiss. I'm Damon. And you're listening to Ergo. What we do here is showcase folks reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and creative. How this you, is How you doing? We just finished an interview that I'm just so excited that other people will get to hear it and that I'll get to hear it again. This is one. This is a listen back for sure. We have author, facilitator organizer, and I'm sure there's so many other things. Doula, Adrian Marie Brown in the building. Very excited for this. This is how I felt after I interviewed Kendrick in like 2013. <laughs> it's like the same level of like, oh my God, I can't. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. No, we're, now we're hot shit. <laughs> Check us out. Just off proximity. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. Um, but it was truly a wonderful conversation. Shout out to her for her generosity. For those who don't know her work, one, the interview will give you a good sense, but also go and pick up Emergent Strategy, pick up Pleasure Activism, she has also, a podcast called How to Survive the End of the World. She built this program called Octavia's Brood. That's a collection of uh, futurist and science fiction stories born out of organizing. It, she's a brilliant, brilliant human, and so glad we got a chance to talk with her. Real quick community announcements. Uh, May 16th is coming up quickly. Ergo Live. Oh, yeah. It's happening here at the Cards Against Humanities Black Box Theater. You know the address off the top of your head? 1917 North Elston Avenue. Of course you did. We uh-huh. got Green Slime and Jay Bambi, a.k.a. Jasmine Barber, both alums and previous guests on the show. It's going to be an amazing conversation. Mm-hmm. RSVP is free. Yep, for the low. And uh, exciting news, we will have Ergo t-shirts for sale at the event. We're bringing the t-shirts back. The streets Um, have been waiting. The streets have them, actually. (laughs) We're going to tell, I'm going to tell the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, my car got broken into... (laughs) <laughs> repeatedly I basically had an issue with being able to lock my car door for in a that while. you didn't lock your car door but it was a there was a problem there was a reason with okay. my key and things and so like one of the doors would sometimes be open and sometimes I would forget and then I, I'm pretty sure people started like sleeping in my car at night and then someone just like took the box of ergo tees and I think they was just in the streets so shout out to the streets yeah that is what we call a street team yep and also another community announcement May 17th at Breathing Room we're having an, another Breathing Room event series continuing the Make It Home theme and programming so talking about housing displacement Placement, the philosophical and poetic nature of what home is and means and figuring out solutions for this crisis and epidemic happening in our city and world. And then on the 19th at the Apple Store downtown at 3 o'clock, uh, Damon and I are giving a hands-on workshop around media dialogue and radical imagination. Uh, it's part of a larger talk about post-loudness and community media with uh, Cher Vincent, who is the reason we're in the studio and has been a friend of the show for a long time. So it's free, 3 p.m., Sunday the 19th. You'll be out of there before Game of Thrones starts. Come through, kick it with us. It's a beautiful space, and uh, we're going to be talking our shit. All right, let's... Speaking of talking our shit, us talking with the brilliant Adrian Marie Brown. This is a special, special, special day. It's happening. <laughs> I like woke up before my alarm today. Me too. That's it. Because <laughs> you were excited to talk to you too. <laughs> Adrian Marie Brown is here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I feel like you'll have an interesting answer to this. No, no pressure on the interesting part. I know, but I was like, Shit. here's an answer to You will have an okay. answer. Yeah, something will. And it, if you could have any animal noise as your like intro music. What animal Ooh, would it be? Ooh, I like that. I like that. Um, I'm torn, so I'm just going to create a creature that makes ah, kind of a, a lion owl. So like oh. a, a roar that also goes, hoo-hoo, you know, like it kind of, like ah, 
<laughs> so like that. so this my... this animal is it the size of a lion or the size of an it owl? It is, um, you know, staunchly in between. Okay, right? it's like a medium sized, <laughs> medium sized, and it has wings. Nice. It's, um, I think it has the neck of the owl, mm. but the mane of the lion. Right. It, I'm in love with this creature. This is cool yeah. because an owl head and a lion's mane actually share some similar, like the way exactly. the plumage goes out there. It's plumage. plumage. Uh-huh. Okay, we're plumage. doing this. Young plumage. We're starting with plumage. Yeah. Ready, this is happening. Up. I, I'm giddy. This is this is a moment. Of giddy. Thank you, first of all, very much for being here. Oh, uh, yeah. And let, let's get right into it. So cool. we have a tradition here in this space. All right. We like to start our conversations with a two part question. Ooh. So in this time, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? Ooh, <laughs> um, this is so good. So I'll just tell you that I took a lift here yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called my mom mm-hmm. and talked to her for a while and her Japanese daughter. She, My mom taught English a long time ago in, in Japan and like... Mm-hmm. Basically, everyone who meets my mom is like, can you meet my mom? Like, my mom is like that kind <laughs> of amazing person, yeah, right? That's great. So I, talk, I called and talked and visited with them a little bit while I was in the back of the lift. And then I got off and the lift driver was like, wow, you exude a tremendous positive energy. <laughs> and I was like... That's right, Lyft driver. Like, you see, you know, so I was like, this is... Just out here exuding. Exactly. Right? So I feel like in this time of my life, there's an immense abundance mm-hmm. of energy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I am up for the abundance. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's been times before when it was like, energy's coming in and I would just get overwhelmed and go stick my head in the ground. You know, just mm-hmm. be like, ostrich, brr, leave mm-hmm. me alone. Um, and this time I feel like, oh no, like, um, there's a new understanding I have in terms of what I'm also bringing to the universe in this moment is um, it's not about me. Hmm. Like I, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, I truly am like a little node of like this really miraculous system. And so when that energy is coming towards me, I can, I have a way to flow it back down into the earth and back out into the universe. Like there's a way that's just like, like a conduit interconnected. Right. So I'm like, something's conduiting in and into the world through me. Mm. And then the things that come back from the world, I conduit back into the world, right? Yeah. And um, I hope that I keep this capacity or keep being able to grow it. But right now it feels very good. Like uh, when I do, uh, last night I got to be at Women and Children First Bookstore and yeah. we had a blast. And imagining like that many people kind of sending, in, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a lot of energy, mm-hmm. positive energy, expectation energy, orgasmic energy, like all of it's flowing in. And I'm like, oh, this isn't like I don't have to get in the way of it. I don't have to try mm-hmm. to catch it all. I don't try to contain it. Like it's just inductor. like let it flow. Yeah, like yeah, it'll yeah. just keep flowing, and the room will be energized. And mm-hmm. I notice that more and more now, when I finish an event or finish a training or something, I feel energized rather than depleted mm-hmm. um, because I'm like it's not about me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's. I love the question too because it, it reminds me of my mentor Grace Lee Boggs. Her question was always, "What time is it on the clock of the world?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And um, you know, so I think that's for me in the world. And then I also think we're in this moment of massive transformation. And so the more abundance-minded, the more positive-minded we can mm-hmm. be about the fact that change is constant is good news. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm man, this man. is it's, it's happening. We're here. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought Grace into the space early on. Yeah. I definitely uh, want to spend a lot of time like centering and honoring her impact on the world yeah. because uh, this show— um, organization that I'm proud to be a part of, the Let Us Breathe Collective, and myself yes. uh, are directly 
in her lineage. She, her and Jimmy are uh, my greatest political heroes. Uh, and so... Yay, we're like uh, yeah, family, yeah. basically. <laughs> yes, yes. We're like children uh, of the And moms. so, it's, it, you know, <laughs> just to, you know, fill you in because we have not met in depth, uh, we went to Grinnell College. And okay. so our, our mentor and advisor, Keisho Scott, okay. was a part. Do you know Keisho? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Of Keisho. Of Keisho, yeah, it was a part yes. of uh, the National Organization of American mm-hmm. Revolution. So mm-hmm. she she was a student of Jimmy and Grace. And so the, the book for me that really like changed my life is Revolution and Evolution in the yes. 20th Century. Yes. Uh, and I think your work, Emergent Strategies, is yes. such a perfect, like, 21st century continuation. Thank you. Um, and so just for the people who don't know, which would not be a, a deep ergo listener because we talk about them often. <laughs> okay. uh, just kind of like, you know, from somebody with firsthand experience and yes. not just from books and documentaries and from afar. Yeah, yeah. Just talk about that impact. Talk about that legacy. Talk about oh, yeah. how that Detroit sh- space has been so It's so fundamental for my life. You know, when you have random moments where you're like, oh, this random moment is actually like shaping everything mm-hmm. now. Um, For me, that random moment was getting invited to come work with Detroit Summer, Mm -hmm. um, which was one of the projects that had sort of emerged from Grace Mm -hmm. and Jimmy's um, thinking and vision. I got invited to come in because they were like in a moment of transition and they were like, can you come facilitate something? And I showed up and the whole weekend was just a weekend of falling in love, like falling (laughs) in love with people, falling in love with ideas. But I always have to acknowledge that I was resistant to Grace for for at first because I was like too many people like her too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I was just like I don't know but like, it's, like, it's like, like a hype beast type yeah, exactly. thing. Like, like, I'm not getting those things. No man, yeah. y'all yeah. just everybody quoting her all the time. Yeah, y'all yeah. need to just chill on this like who's grace, you know? And, Wait, what year um, is this? So let's see. 2006. Okay. 2006 mm-hmm. and she um is worth the hype. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So the more I got to know about her and the more I got to know her the more interested and compelled I was because she didn't really care what you thought about her. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a really important thing for people to learn how to be in right relationship with is like not to be like, I'm just out here being an asshole, but like, you know, which she did go through some asshole you know, decades in in, the, in that hundred year life. Yeah. Um, but we I, all have our ten year moments. We all have know. our you know decades. Was so wild. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know. Um, but you know, I always say that because I'm like, she was a complex person, right. and mm-hmm. I think too often we try to deify our brilliant people and just be mm-hmm. like, oh, she's like mm-hmm. pure. She was never that. She was always someone who was like, I've got a question. I am going to ignore you. I am going to critique you. Yeah. Um, even if you just died, I'm going to critique you. You know, stuff that I'm like, ooh, bad form. You know, but it's like she did all that. And the mantras and the thinking um, was so rigorous. Hmm. For me, one of the core ideas that has shaped so much of what's happening in Detroit and so much of what's happening in my work is this idea of transform yourself to transform the world. Mm-hmm. And that how are you constantly in some deep self-study and self-practice and self-adjustment, right? That it's just like, if you recognize that capitalism is inside of your system and inside of your thinking, what adjustments do you actually need to make to be on a path of liberation that is much larger than yourself? Mm -hmm. Anything that you're critiquing out in the world has a home inside of you. And you can dust out that stuff from your home. Um, But there was a commitment to questions. Um, I felt always that she was much more interested in the questions than the answers. Like, what are the right questions? Hmm. Um, and then she was really about experiments and practices. So I, at some point I want to sit down and I understand just how many projects are seated in the work of those two human beings mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they found each other 
And it was just like cedarific. And there's like tons of people who they collaborated with all these different people. Right. Um, and so much of it is still moving and moving in different ways. Like I look at Allied Media Projects, mm -hmm. which now has tons of sponsored projects. And I see the fingerprints all over that work. Right. I look at what I'm doing. It's clearly woven in. And, you know, my ancestor troupe is pretty chill. Like I have like a really good group of people that I call on. Um, and and then it's really amazing to be like, oh, and I got to actually spend eight yeah. years of my life in direct contact with with someone who was, um, yeah, rigorous. Rigorous is the word that keeps coming to mind. It was just like, do your reading, mm -hmm. know your references, take the ideas, run with them, apply them, practice, repeat, yeah. be in community, be in conversation, repeat. Like it's, yeah. you know, yeah. I love the idea of the like the ripples continuing to yeah. go in all these unexpected directions because I think, you know, when you're if it's a, a campaign based thing or you know especially when you're trying to do something that like has a tangible goal, yeah. sometimes you know you get into questions of wins and losses. Yes. And when I feel like what part of the pressure that gets relieved when you do so many things over you know and you have the longitudinal experience is like. You know, it's just going to be the next thing, yeah. and we're you know, it all it all adds up. Exactly. It's not it's not about the productivity or the end goal or the product exactly. of it in the same way. Well, and that you know, like when I think about nonlinearity, which yeah. I, I'm a big believer in nonlinearity and iteration, and the idea that um, if we can stop trying so hard to push everything into these very narrow lines of how things happen, and instead be like, how do we pay attention to? Right nonlinear ways that people are impacted and shifted. And it's one of the things that Allied Media Projects particular is always trying to figure out how to map, like creating ripple maps mm -hmm. and like yeah. other things to figure out like how do we even understand um, influence and intimacy? Yeah. Like the the way that like intimacy, I mean, if if I think about my life story and the things that I have created, so much of it is love story, mm. right? So mm. much of it is like, oh, I fell in love. And then that shaped this portion of my life and my learning and my influences and my exposure. Um, I have deep love with several friends who hold me down and allow me to grow beyond what I could do by myself. And yeah, um, yeah it's just like, oh, yeah, how do you map love stories, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you even tell them, yes. let alone putting them next to each other? It's like yeah. we don't even have you know, the language to understand those types of relationships. Exactly. You know. This is one of my main, when I facilitate now, um, one of the main things I'm, I ask people to do is tell a love story to each hmm. other because I really believe that I'm like, oh, we need to practice telling love stories and especially telling love stories that are not just a traditional heteropatriarchal marriage yeah. love story, yeah. but like that love is actually that, that force that's moving through and changing us all the time. And how do we tell that? So story? maybe I'll, I'll I'll make the facilitator be the facilitated. Would you yeah. tell us? A, would you tell us a brief love story? <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want. But That's as so much great. As I want to share. That's so great. Um, I love it. Um, let's see. Yeah. So I'll tell a love story that just just is unfolding now, which is um, in November. Um, well, actually, so here's the the I'll take it back. Mm -hmm. So in September was my birthday last year. September what? September sixth. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm the twenty fourth. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're in the family. <laughs> and we've two high fives. Top, I know top we've got two minutes. high fives. I'm waiting for you to. We, <laughs> Look, we've no got to get our high fives. Organically, <laughs> this is not a competition. Non-linearly, we cooperate we'll with our there. high fives. Yeah. Um, you can share. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like the energy of that high five. Come on, exactly. And let's bring it around. Okay, so everyone who's listening just know that this high five circle has been. 
completed and here. And we're, we're levitating now. And you should also be high-fiving people if you're listening with them. Mm. Um, Make so, more commands of the listener. I like yes, that. Yes, do it. <laughs> like I said. All right, so... Um, what they saying? Oh, so in September, um, on the eve of my birthday, I um, had an old customs form that from the last time I had gone like on international travel and I didn't fill it out something. But anyway, I had it and I put it under my bed to cast a spell to call more international travel into my life this year. Right. I was like, I need to get out of this country and remind myself there's so many other ways that humans are yeah. existing. The next day. I get a message from a long, long ago time friend of mine who's like, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. I'm going to have it in Thailand. And do you want to come be my doula, basically? Mm. Right. So I was like, ooh, that was a fast answer. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. And of course, I was a yes, because I was like, this is what I asked for. We're doing it. And so in November, I got to go to Thailand Mm. and be with her um, in the first, like, two, three weeks of this child being alive. And... I've I've been a birth worker for about let's see, Marita six, child is eight nine about ten years now. That's a lot of babies. So it's yeah. a lot of babies, and like I haven't done it tons of it. Each one has been very precise, very specific needs and concerns, and a lot of them have been with close friends. And so I get out there, and like the way that you fall in love with a person who you get to witness the first things they're ever doing is a whole other kind of love, right? And I have the fortune now to have several of these children in my life that I'm like, I got to witness your beginnings. Mm-hmm. Um, so Do they this, get it or they're like, all right. Some of them really, I, I think some of them really get it. Like okay. my youngest nibbling, mm-hmm. um, I was there for her birth and, you know, there's just something in our connection that is just sort of yeah. like, you know that I got you like for real, for real. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you just never have to doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this latest baby, Isla, it, you know, it's just like watching her learn to breastfeed, watching her like be like, whoa, the wall, you know, like, just like, you know, cause I'm like, oh, right. You don't even know that like, that's a wall. Like you don't know anything, you know, and every watching the vulnerability and the relying on others. Mm. And it reminds me something I said from the stage the other day, I was giving us a, a talk and it was, it, it was from this moment of like, we're literally born into someone else's hands. Yeah. Right. Like our whole, like our beginnings of life is all about interdependence. Mm. And so my love story is that, um, I, when I left, when I had to go, it was, like, so wrenching. Like, I was like, I do not want to leave my baby halfway across the world. I love yeah. this child. Um, and as soon as I could get back, it was like, <laughs> you know. So she, my friend reached out to me, and she was like, uh, what do you charge for being a doula anyway? You know, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to charge you. you like, like, you're a, my a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But she was like, okay, but, like, if I did charge, you know, if you charged and then I could bring you back you know, would you be down? I was like, hell yeah. When when yeah. can we get back to Thailand? And <laughs> when can I get more of that baby time? And so I just last month in April mm. got to go back for two weeks. And it was, it's just, I mean, like me and this baby, her name is Isla, which means the ring around the moon. Mm. And she really is like that. Like you just look at her and you're just like, there's something that is glowing and emitting from your being that is so brilliant and so pure and so kind. I mean, like literally everywhere we go with her, all the people who see her are like, oh, my gosh, like that child is divine, you know. Mm. And all children are. But some children are just encouraged to let it yeah. out. And so I'm so smitten with this baby yeah. and will travel all around the world to get <laughs> We'll more travel more for around. Isla. Yes, yeah. exactly. When you came back to see her, what was surprising about the growth that, she, that had happened between when you last seen her? Um, two things. One is that when I left her, 
um, you know, she was she could make eye contact with me, but she was definitely like, like you know, I was like, I don't know if you're actually making a big distinction between like me and the wall, yeah. right? We're both equally fascinating, and like yeah. you can't quite <laughs> figure wall it out. Is, is freaking around. Exactly right. <laughs> it was this wall that had like black and white checked pattern on it, so she'd just be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> right? And I was like, "You're acting like a person with mushrooms, but you're a baby." Yeah, that's like, shrooms. So little shrooms, DMV right? System, yeah. Shrooms help you understand baby seeing. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, also listeners, do shrooms. Absolutely, that's and the share next, them with me. That's the next. Oh yeah. <laughs> to the studio right now um so uh the second so that that first thing was like when i got back she locked in Hmm. on me and she started beaming like she was like so happy to see me and that's how she is every time she sees me she's just like you like i know you so that was one piece that i'm just like oh my god like you're so ringing in my soul um and then the second piece was like that she's already moving herself around i'm like Girl, you're not even five months yet. And she yeah. just like scoot. Like if you leave her in one place and you turn around, she's like across the floor. And there's no, like you don't see her. Like she's not like crawling yet. Yeah. So I'm like, how the heck are you? Just are you a snake inchworm? Like what are you doing? Action, and she's yeah. just like figuring it out and moving herself <laughs> around. And that was, fa- you know, fascinating to me that how quickly is slow compared to like elephants and horses and deer right. and all these other things that are like, I was born, now I'm running. Yeah. What's up? You know? Yeah. But but to watch a child do that and just be like, oh, you were inside my friend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like you got created inside yeah. someone and then you came out. You couldn't do jack shit. And now yeah. you're moving around the and movement, you're going to keep yeah. doing that. That's wild to me. The movement thing is so amazing. Yeah. The, like, Because even before they can crawl or like lift themselves up, exactly. the, you just see like these non-existent muscles. I, exactly. I'm a, one of my cousins had a baby there. He's now a year old. But it was he was maybe like six months when we first met, yeah. and just seeing like the the effort that he was putting into like just get yes. himself a little bit off. It's like you are working so, so hard right yes. now. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing to me. And also, my friend is really dedicated to like natural movement. Like mm-hmm. really, she's she's listened to a lot of Katie Bowman, and um, she's just really paying attention to like how do humans learn to move, and so. Mm-hmm. It's also been interesting because she's very much like, let's not do the strollers, car seats. Let's not have people, babies sitting in these chairs where they're just like kind of in a very unnatural structure for their bodies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to check it out. You know, like why didn't the people who made those things do that research? (laughs) Right. So, I mean, it's it's interesting because the whole move for so much about humanity is like, oh, how do we make it easier and less work to be a human being? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we're nature. Like we are actually wild animals inside too. And 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 back to to grace, our work is our humanity. Our work is our humanity. And it's like, we're not meant to be so separated from nature. Right. right? So she's got me and like, I'll say she's, she's got me convinced. Like I'm removing furniture from my house so that Mm -hmm. I have to get up and down off the floor as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning how to walk again and like trying to be on my feet. Like she's teaching me through how she's raising Isla to, I thought I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. What am I doing with my hip, hip hip muscles? Like how, how strong are, how strong am I? Yeah. Right. Am I as strong as this baby? Yeah. And like even trying to get down with a baby and be like, let me show you what crawling looks like. I'm like, Oh shit, this shit is hard. Let's do it. Let's crawl around the house and just be like, what would it look like to just be crawling for a while and just remind my body like, this is a phase of my development that I need to stay in touch with or squatting. Yeah. And yeah. those muscles, at, it's not that they get weak, but they atrophy. Oh, so like, yeah. They're I just was... like, oh, you don't want me? Fine. And, you know, like I was just in, uh, when I went back to Thailand, we skipped over to Malaysia for like the weekend because you mm-hmm. can do that. Everything's very close. And Malaysia, most delicious city 
that I've been to in my life. Mm. Okay. Go there, listeners. Um, but there was a bathroom that was just the the toilet was just the hole yeah. on the ground and then you could flush it. And so I was in there like, okay, let's get, you know, we got to go. We got to squat. And like yeah. squatting, you know, it's one thing to be like, I'm in my right mind and I'm going to do. It was like when you're 3 a.m., blurry, jet lagged, yeah, and you're yeah. like, I've got to pee right pee now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's just like learning what your body can do under yeah. those pressures was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, I mostly landed it. I was a good peer. Yeah, yeah. I just want to shout out, yeah, shout out to your squad. we often <laughs> shout out to moms but shout out to babies yeah. shout uh, out to babies you, 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 they're so great <laughs> I am always like you know people are always like oh I don't want to bring my kids to your event and like mm-hmm. mess it up I'm like please bring yeah. your kids like we are all better when the babies are around us yeah. Yeah. You, you met my, my sister yesterday Christiana I did uh, she gave me the dope ass swag where I have like so much awesome stuff. yes yeah, yeah, lettuce yeah, yeah, breathe yeah. I just the... I just posted on Instagram with the hashtag so people can see hey did you get the black birth matter shirt I got black sex matter Decolonize pleasure mm-hmm. and then respire. respire. Yeah, inspire, exactly. Conspire. I think the one we're looking for, she texted me, I think it got hidden, is Black Birth Matter. So okay. she just gave birth to beautiful Ori. I know. I saw a picture. You're um, nibbling. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, she did a home birth. So that was my first experience with this you know, oh, much powerful. more natural, more human. Were you there? Yeah, I was there. It was a, it was a three day process. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like she said 56, 56 hours. hours mm-hmm. so, so our whole family was like sleeping <laughs> on turns. floors. It was it was mm-hmm. intense. It was really intense. But like now that, that was your first birth. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Better. Since when you came out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> well, like, you know, my, no. I, I have a 16 year old cousin, but like it, on that side of the family, we're mm-hmm. really small. So this on that side, that's been our first birth in 16 years. That's beautiful. Years. Um, but but to the to the story you're telling about Isla, um, what I recognized is we don't learn about humanity through our own experience. We really learn it from seeing children, right? Yeah. Because we don't have the the cognitive skills to process learning to walk. But once you're observing this really beautiful vulnerability, right. Of like just how dangerous the world is, how much risk there is, but watching the like survival and emergence and the growth on a day to day, you're like, Oh, that's what it's like. To sit up. Oh, to that, learn that, yeah. to sit up. Because, yeah. like, <laughs> it's also a trip. So two things more that I'll add about this dream perfect baby is, like, one, watching how she's like, I have all the co- – you know, I want to sit up. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in sitting up. But if you sit me here and leave me, I'm going to fall over. <laughs> and then I'm just going to be, like, you know, in this very, like, not elegant, yeah. you know, formation. So – that's also interesting to me that I'm like, oh, we're kind of a floppy mess and mm-hmm. we have to like learn. Yeah. And some of us never learn all those parts or some of our bodies are not meant to learn all those parts. Right. And so it's also trying to figure out like, oh, how to not be like perfectionist or hold a false standard against mm-hmm. what a body can do, mm-hmm. but just sort of be in wonder about like, okay, this is what the body does. But the other thing that's a trip to me is like the phase that babies go through where everything goes in the mouth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so we live in this hyper dangerous world, but the instinct that we have as it's a baby is to be like, um, is that a phone in my mouth, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's the dirtiest thing I own, baby. Like, please don't. But or like, I'll now I have videos, all these videos, because if I would have my thumb anywhere near her, she would pounce on it like an ana- like a wild, and she'd be like, ah, yeah. and sort of do this shake. Yeah. And I was like, I think there's some like evolutionary thing that's happening here where yeah. she's like, if I needed to break the neck of something that I was eating, like that's yeah. in here, right? And I was yeah. like. 
fascinating, right? And of yeah. course, you know, she'll pass through that phase. She'll mm -hmm. get into solid foods, whatever. But like, I was just like, my thumb is your happy place right now. That's wild, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. I also um, wonder if she can, sorry to cut yeah, you yeah, like, no. if she can, uh, like her senses are more developed in her mouth than in her hands and in her eyes. Like, yeah, I mean, I think for all it's kids, it's gathering. like, I can yeah. under, this is helping me understand this. Yeah, And I also think, like, we call it like oral fixation as you mm -hmm. get older, but it's just sort of like, I think that most of us are like, our mouth has the strongest muscles, the most, t you know, it's all these taste buds, all these ways of understanding yeah. stuff is one of the first things that comes online. So yeah. it's just really cool to me that I'm like, taste the world, taste mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And then like on the biological level, it actually is good because they're building the antibodies and like exactly. all those things coming in. So Well, and that's why I'm like all the moms who are like, no, you know, yeah. nothing in your mouth. I'm like, actually... You know, it's, it's just been interesting to watch uh, my friend's <laughs> mode of parenting because she's yeah. just like, actually, a lot of that is really important. It's important yeah. for her to feel. It's important for her to go through this. Yeah. And like, I'm just, you know, it's really interesting. You watched The Office? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Look at that episode <laughs> when Dwight was trying to like build up his antibodies and he was doing all He's this like, nasty just shit. Gonna, and like, he was like, let people like sneeze in his no, coffee. Or <laughs> oh my God. But um, there's a fine line. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I think after a certain point, you're just being a gross human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. kinda, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I think even that lesson yeah. of like childhood is so important to the work overall. Yeah. Right. And so, we're, we're always talking about evolving, you know, God has changed, yes. right? I know, I know, I've done my research. Um, I, 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 I was like, do you know about my tattoos? Though? <laughs> I, I know you're, you're deep in the game. Um, yeah, I'm committed. Yeah, and you are, right? And so you, you have transformed, as you, you said, that we have to do it internally yeah. to transform externally, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we, in the last five years, have seen so much of your external imprint. Mm, right. Thank you. And congratulations on that uh, for all of us who are striving to be, you know, productive or effective in the world. I think you are showing a healthy example. Uh, but as you say, the lesson that you have to transform yourself to transform the world. So what yeah. was some of that process Oof. of that internal external dialectic, that interpersonal yeah. structural balance for yourself because it ain't easy it's not easy also this is intense this this what, breath of life life of do breath? you like it breath yes. of life yes. it's by queen afua i would and say my lips are tingling yeah. i had some, some i will tingles. say it helps to swirl the cups mm. a little bit she gave us a little baby drop in yeah our water give you one oil. half droplet <laughs> and like it transforms the water experience to Sweet, something yeah. healing um although water is life so moments of transformation for me um a couple leap to mind. So one is uh, when I first started facilitating and like being in a leadership position, I think a lot of the work that I was doing was really seduction, right? Mm -hmm. That I wasn't necessarily in my own integrity around what I was inviting in from people mm. um, because I was just like, I know that if I sort of behave in this way, I can make you move yeah, I along, can impress, right? I can um, and I can get you to some outcome, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, you'll come for the meeting. You'll feel great. You had a great time, you know, like this kind of energy. And, but I was like, is it actually shifting for people long term? Like, is this landing? And what I noticed was that people were really like, Adrian is great, but not necessarily like, we're awesome. You know, like we're mm, having yeah. necessarily the experience mm -hmm. of like their own power. So I think one of the first um, kinds of transformation I had to undergo as a leader was really figuring out like, how can I be my authentic self, which is a pleasure body, which is a love goddess, which is all those things, but also, not not have an egoistic way of yeah. leading or a seductive way of leading, but have a way that really gives the power back to people. I would say somatics has been one of the main practice grounds for me in where that transformation has happened. And I was telling a story last night at the bookstore about 
this particular moment in 2010, um, we had the U.S. Social Forum in Detroit, mm-hmm. and I was one of the co-facilitators for it. And it was a lot. It was like 60 different organizations working to pull it together, and 20,000 people came, and it's all in Detroit. And there was a lot of different kinds of needs and requests, right? Yeah. There was crises. There was like this Zionist group had put in a workshop that somehow slipped through everything and <laughs> was in there, and we had to figure out, like, what do we what do we do that's not going to offend um, folks who are not, you know, fully awakened on their um, anti-Zionist analysis yet. Um, But still, we can't have that here, you know. Um, And then and then, you know, so it would be like that kind of request. And then someone else being like the 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 thread count on the sheets at the hotel is damaging me. And then someone else (laughs) being like, you know, the the shuttle is not taking us enough. You know, it was just like. Or we have no buses. You know, there's just like real magical things, right? And I was like, I don't know how, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how we're going to figure it out. You know, like we're going to figure it out somehow. But it just was like so too much. And day two or three, um, I, it was overwhelming. And so I went down, we had a healing justice practice space and I went down into that space and there was a bunch of healers there. I think they were trying to wrap up for the day probably. And I come walking in and I was just like, um, I'm shaking and I, I don't know why. And I'm overwhelmed. And I just, you know, like, oh, help yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And my memory of it is that I got laid down and that a lot of hands were on me for a while that I was able to have a massive somatic release, which yeah. I didn't have words for. I didn't know that that's what it was. But it was just like I literally my whole body was shaking for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and a particular healer, Susan Raffo, who's based in the Twin Cities, held me and – you know, to this day, it's just like, I'm so, I'm like, wow. Like, I didn't know I could be held like that <laughs> and through that. And so that moment shifted my relationship to interdependence in a way um, where I was like, oh, like, if I ever think I can hold everything, I'm going to, that's always not, that's always wrong, yeah. right? And, but, but I can always ask for help, you know? Um, and that moment of transformation, I feel like has reshaped almost all of my life is that I'm like, each of us need to be held and no matter how big we get or how far we get or how smart we are or how competent we are, there's a moment where we have to be held. And so we need to construct our communities and our organizing that in a way that allows for that holding, um, but also allows for the work to get done. And I, I, you know, I'm always sort of like, it's not just always being held, right? We're not always in a state of trauma crisis. Hopefully Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the idea of pleasure activism is to be like, actually the work should feel really good. And part of it feeling good is that you get held when you need to get held. Yeah. Um, so that feels like a really big part. And, you know, that night I got up off the healing table, went over, and it was Grace Lee Boggs's birthday. Oh. Um, and I want to say it was like maybe her 92nd or 93rd or something. Um, but it was her birthday. And I walked in and immediately was asked to sing for her. And I sang for her. And it was just like total joy, total pleasure, hmm. total aliveness, oh. total awakening. Um, and just moment of connection that I'm still so grateful to have had with her. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I never would have had that if I hadn't had that healing touch. And so just the speed of it also yeah. to be like, oh, like transformation to me, that's the nonlinear thing. It's like all these forces were working on me for years to arrive at that moment, to be able to surrender to that healing, to be able to then get off the table and sing that song. Yeah. Like all of it was like, right. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's been a big moment learning how to not be a total seductive leader. Or if I am, I'm on purpose with it, right? right? I'm like, let me write a book where I can just go out and yeah. be like, 
da 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 da. Let's talk about sex. There's Let's a do transparency it in a to really it, yeah. safe container rather than you know uh, in a space where you're trying to make hard decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you, do you, would you say that like before that experience or, be, or before this kind of crystallized, you had you wrestled with asking for that help when you needed it? Just yeah. I'm just projecting. 100%. I think that it's like <laughs> no. I mean, for sure. Like I am a Virgo. I'm an oldest child. I've been like a talented and gifted kid since right. I was like whatever. You know, first time I was in some kind of school environment, and there's always been a sense of like. You know, I'm affirmed for what I can hold down. Yeah. You know, I'm affirmed for how I can like adapt quickly. I'm affirmed for the ways that I can, you know, handle everything. And like, right. I I failed French class in college and didn't get my college degree. That was like another ma- massive. One. I was like, I'm failing. <laughs> you know, like I am failing on a massive level yeah, right now. Yeah. And no amount of weed or alcohol is going to numb the fact that like I am in this failure. And I had such a, like, I was like, failure is failure. Like, I didn't have a way to transform it into right. something pretty or a butterfly or anything like you that. Were I was just like, I'm failing, yeah. right? Yeah. And that, that this moment felt like one where I was like, I am learning. And it was <laughs> like a massive shift. I was like, oh, I feel like overwhelmed and I can't handle this. And, but I'm not failing. Right. I'm becoming part of something larger than myself. Right. And um, it does feel like a major, like, shift where the, now, like in the 10 years since that time, so much of my work has been around building the authentic intimacy it takes to to like trust people to learn with me, yeah. right? And so I'm like, oh, I've got woes. I've got my sisters. I've got this group of goddesses. I have a lot of people to whom I am a thousand percent honest. Yeah. And that has changed my life. Hmm. We were talking about uh, like lineages in the work before when we were talking, we were talking yeah. about grace. But in, in terms of that kind of intimacy, yes. are there, you know, relationships, communities, moments that you look at that you weren't part of that are maybe historical or near historical. You're like, oh, that was the type of intimate holding that I'm trying to develop and replicate. Well, I imagine... Yeah, we can. Um, yeah. That Harriet Tubman, <laughs> when she would be on the on the railroad, underground railroad, and have an epileptic fit, that there was a moment of that kind of intimacy yeah. there where she's like, I'm your leader. I'm the one who you're relying on to get free. And also right now, y'all have to protect me or yeah. you have to accept that this is this is who I am and this is, this is how this moment is going to go. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a part of me that's always like, oh, what was that like, right? Um, I also recently um, did a spell casting piece um, imagining the the first orgasm Harriet Tubman had after her last railroad conducting hmm. journey hmm. where I was like, okay, that's that. Like I've done as much of that as I'm going to do. And then like who was she intimate with yeah. and what was the story of that? Because her husband had – you know, she had she had run away from her husband, from her family, yeah. um, and then gone back to get him, and he had found someone else. And she kept Niggas. doing this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Niggas. I'm just saying. Damn. Patriarchy you can't has even a wait long on Harry lineage. <laughs> I'm saying, okay. I'm just saying that dude, right? I'm like, we need to put a poster of him up and just be like, don't be that. How you don't be that dude? How you leave Harry? I mean, you both. Hold it down I will say this. I feel bit. a lot of judgment, but I also am like, so funny. In the context that he was in, I don't yeah, know this yeah. Negro's name, but in the context that he was in, I'm also like 
Maybe. You've never seen anyone run away and right. come back for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And who knows what their dynamic was. Right. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I've met a lot of men who didn't believe I could do the magic I could do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, Talk maybe shit. you don't believe. You know what I'm saying? You don't believe. Yeah. You know? But but then there was someone else, right? She, I know that she had other lovers and mm-hmm. other love and, and other pleasure. So that's one. And then I think about Ella Baker. Like there's just people, leaders who I'm like, ooh, who rubbed your feet? Yeah. Who rubbed your back? Like, who was there after the march? Yeah. And I I imagine and hope um, that those people have the kind of squad that I have. That yeah. is just sort of like you can come back and be like, either like that was everything. That was so great. And I'm tired. Or, you know, everyone's loving me right now and I feel kind of numb. Or, yeah. you know, I'm really longing to for a totally different. You know, like for me, it's it's been like friends talking to friends where I was like, people are taking me serious as this kind of leader and I want to be Lizzo, <laughs> right? <laughs> and when do I do, right? Yeah, and like yeah. people be like, just fucking pursue whatever. You know, yeah. I didn't know Lizzo when I decided I want to do pleasure activism, but like if I had, that would have been a North Star person, yeah, right? <laughs> so sure. I'm like, that, I want black women to feel like that in public. Yeah. And I want to be a part of that. That yeah. is the ultimate collab. Yeah. I mean, when that happens. There's I mean, a, yeah. I told you, I sat behind her on an airplane and I was yeah. just like, the whole time, I was just like, you're Lizzo. Oh my God, you're Lizzo. I know what your butt looks like and it's amazing. You're <laughs> so like powerful. And I love build. your voice. Like, like, it was just like, my mixtape. Ev- no, you know, <laughs> I mean, that, that was the thing is I, with famous people for the most part, I'm like, I don't want to meet you because. I, I really enjoy having some people on a pedestal. Yeah, like, I, I know it's whatever, but I'm like, I get pleasure. Yeah. I get satisfaction and pleasure from, especially black women, especially black women, being able to be like, I don't care if you're a bitch. I don't yeah. care if you're mean to some people sometimes. Like, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. Maybe yeah. you're an angel. I don't know. I don't care. I'm yeah. just like, Beyonce, whatever you do behind right. the scenes, just keep doing it. I just yeah. want to worship. I love it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think we're in a place now where there's an overload of worship of black women. Mm. So if we get to that point, if we get to we that point, then I'll be like, okay, take them off the pedestal. Yeah. But I'm like, that's not the reality that I live in. It I live in a reality me. where every black woman that I'm lifting up, Octavia Butler, Audrey Lord, Tony Cade Bambara, all these women have been under-worshipped, right. right? I'm trying to increase the worship across time, space, yeah. realities in order for them to get their propers. Yeah. And then in this moment, there's women that I'm like, I just want to lift you as yeah. far up as you can go. And there's enough people trying to knock them off the pedestal oh my goodness. for a whole bunch exactly. of reasons. Exactly. There's a great Jamila poem, Jamila Woods poem yes. about Harriet Tubman at the beauty supply. Yes. That, that just made me think of in the whole, because she wrote this series. Uh, Jamila's so funny. Yeah. Without, so like, without, yeah. <laughs> without trying to be. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's about the, like that intimate space and it's exactly. not a romantic intimate space in the same way but it's like it imagining space. her yeah. when the head wrap comes there's only there's like one photo of her without the head without wrap, her head wrap right. um yeah i want to i want to really ground and like cite the trajectory of okay. this really important work of, of pleasure activism and Yay. intimacy right because in the the conglomerates in the ripples right of our heroes and of yes. our freedom fighters so much of our f- energy and like cognitive focus is going towards the big structure yes right so you know figuring out in whatever bite we can the long goal of taking down or getting rid of or creating an alternative to the racial capitalist nation states and militaristic incarceration globally worldwide right you know know, no big deal right right? so light work (laughs) so so in in this like revolutionary lineage i think the the personal obviously gets overlooked yeah and i think sometimes some of the like old heads are kind of like smirking at us we don't have time for that (laughs) and and so where where do you see 
the connection of why we need to center the body, why we need to center the intimate. How do you name pleasure beyond? Because we yes. kind of limit it to sexual. Yes, yes, um, yes. And what is that connection <laughs> yeah. to, to that larger like revolutionary project, even if we're not using that language that right. we are connected to? Big I just question. want to name. It's like that's like five questions. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna do talk, it though. Talk. I'm doing it. I was I'm just giving you it. a canvas. Um, so <laughs> I would say a, a few things. I apologize. No, I love. I love. Que- this is how I think okay, too. Okay. This is actually one of my weaknesses as a facilitator. Is I'll often be like, "All right, so here's the question for y'all to address." And someone's like, "Can you say it again?" And I say a different one. I'm just like, <laughs> yes, basically this whole. Thing. They're both like, good questions. They're my bad. My bad. Yeah. They're related to me. So. Um, <laughs> One thing I'll say is as an anti-capitalist, the idea that we have to work with and from the body feels very important to me, Hmm. that there's something that no one can take from you and that fundamentally is the only thing you have throughout your entire life. It's your only And so that's your space of transformation, Mm -hmm. right? The idea of like at different points I've been like my body is my temple, my body is my home, my body is the place I can continue to return to, my body is where all the things that have ever happened to me are remembered and held and I'm the only one who's been through all the things that I've been through. So there's something very like this is your unique thing that you get Hmm. to have. And so – the idea of the body being a space for transformation, for me, that's been the last decade of my life, like dropping in like, oh, it's not just a space for trauma to happen to me, and it's not just a space for harm, and it's not just a space for oppressive ideas to be projected onto mm-hmm. me. It's actually my own. Yeah. And there's something, um, I, you know, Maya Angelou uh, talked about this with Oprah, where she said, all of us need to have some place within us that is inviolate. That is like no one can touch and no one can no one um, can take, and to me that is the place where we have the most hope, right? Mm. Like we have there's the most hope for us as humans if if the majority of us can actually find and tap into that place, mm. because capitalism wants to convince us that we're all cogs in a wheel, right. that we're not mm. these individual beautiful miraculous bodies, but that our purpose is to serve someone else's consumerism, mm. someone else's longing, mm-hmm. yeah. and so to me that just without any other aspects of the analysis. If you just say, this is my own, Mm. this is my own, and it's my responsibility to protect it, and it's also my responsibility to live out whatever miraculous gift is that I have been given. So then if you add on to that what Audre Lorde was telling us in August of 1978, which is there's something about the erotic aliveness in the body that once you realize that you can actually feel from within um, a, a, a connection to the entire world, a connection to your own pleasure, a connection to your lovers and your poems and everything else. Um, you know, she was like, basically, that's freedom, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it makes us no longer be able to settle for suffering. And she talks about that uh, no longer settle for self negation, mm-hmm. no longer settle for self denial. Like to me, I, I get lit up every time I read that essay, every time I, I think about that essay and what important work she did with just mm-hmm. eight pages, right? So you remember the title? It's called The Uses of the Eroticus Power, and it's reprinted as the first text inside of pleasure activism cool. because it's so fundamental. And people can go, I often tell people, if you go on, search on the internet, you can actually find a recording of her reading the uh, essay out loud, which I, I'm like, I, you know, my, in my dream scenario for how people are interacting with the book, they're actually playing that while reading along with ooh, it and like mm-hmm. making notes, right? So uh, maybe I'll put a little bit in right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Cool. Play yeah, it because she's not? so goddamn mm. good. Play the part where she's talking about the 
margarine in okay. World War II. Basically, she talks about how in, during World War II, they would get these packets of margarine that were just all this sort of white packet of margarine. And inside, there would be this tiny little pellet of yellow, mm. yellow coloring. And the job was to smash that pellet and then to knead it, to knead mm. the whole bag until the whole bag mm. was that mm. yellow mm. color, right? We would knead it very gently back and forth, over and over, until the color had spread throughout the whole pound of margarine, leaving it thoroughly colored. I find the erotic such a kernel within myself. <laughs> when released from its intense and constrained pellet, it flows through and colors my life with a kind of energy that heightens and sensitizes and strengthens all my experience. And so dope how she writes it. I'm like, mm -hmm. damn, girl. Mm. But so that, that to me feels like... Um, when I was looking at all the people I was facilitating and being in movement with, what I was seeing was a commitment to misery and to struggling and to thinking that, like, because we are aware of how hard things are in the world, we can never be, you know, involved in Id idle pursuits, pleasure pursuits, that, that that's not serious and that's yeah. not our work. And what she posits and sort of, I mean, it's really like having your head spun around 360 is like, wrong. That's wrong. What's right is actually that our pleasure is one of the things that has been taken from us right. by oppression and by trauma and by harm that we believe, we believe that we don't have access to it and we don't deserve it. And so when those of us who are oppressed and marginalized reclaim that we get to feel that erotic aliveness and, and that we have no less access to it than anyone else in the world, it's actually a resistance, right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. an act of resistance. It's an act of resilience and rec reclamation. I think that's, yeah, you know, I'm super lit by those ideas. And like, because my previous work has been all about getting a right relationship with nature, to me, this is one of the most fundamental first steps of that. It's like, oh, right, I am nature. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's something pulsing and fluttering and needing and longing inside of me that is, I could not recreate it. Like, I couldn't build it from synthetic materials. Right. I couldn't, like, cast a spell and, and make it happen. Can't like, code it. it. Exactly, right? It's, it's beyond mm -hmm. any of that. And so it's very humbling to be like, oh, I've been given this, and then someone tried to destroy it, mm. right? That mm. Lucille Clifton line, yeah, like yeah. every day it's someone yeah. has tried to kill me, yeah. but then been, at yeah. a certain point you're like, but they fucking didn't, yeah. and I'm I'm alive, and I'm just gonna have as many orgasms as I can until I die, right? Because mm. it's just great, or whatever it is that's your, you know, ice yeah. cream, music, whatever is your pleasure thing. It's just the idea of like. I'm going to reclaim it and intentionally yeah. stoke that fire. And I will say I've been having amazing times going out into the world and letting people see that I'm I'm actually full of joy. Like I'm mm. aware of all the things that are happening in the world, and I do everything I can do about each of those problems, which is very satisfying to me to mm. be like, I'm not out here sleeping through the climate apocalypse. Right. I'm trying to work on it, right? Right, right? I'm working on the things that I, I can work on, but I'm also really actively cultivating joy in my life. And whenever I see another black woman, that the moment of recognition that we have, you know, when, when we're like, we're feeling joy right now, or I'm feeling joy and you can borrow some of it, mm -hmm. or come along, this is the way towards joy. Mm -hmm. It's just so healing every single time to be in spaces where we're like, they didn't take it. They didn't get it. Yeah. It's still here. Do, we still got it. <laughs> do you do you allow space for yourself to even question that destructive impulse? The way you mm. describe that beauty, mm -hmm. the the framework that you're presenting feels like it should be innate and should be the norm. Uh -huh. Right? Yes. But it is 
like we are in this dystopian oh, alternative yes. where yeah. the destruction seems to be the norm. Well, and do you even like I think about that a lot. Octavia Butler taught us that the fundamental human flaw of our species is that we have intelligence, but then we're committed to hierarchy. Um, that every time we have an opportunity to use our intelligence to like come together and and grow or make an evolutionary leap, instead we use it to figure out like who's on top. Right. Are you on top? I'm in charge. And it's just yeah. this power dynamic fighting. And she, all of her novels explore this in some way that we're, we're actually always in these power struggles. Um, and I think that, you know, I've, I, I have an Aries rising. There's times when I'm like, I'm going to smash you, but I usually contain <laughs> it to playing games with people. Right. Mm. So like, if I'm like, we're playing nerds or we're playing Scrabble or we're playing something else, I'm like, I came to win. Ooh. I want to oh, I bet slay you. Don't, you don't fuck around like, at Scrabble. Fucking, I know no, you, you know? don't fuck around at Scrabble. And I mean, I will say my mom and I have been playing a continuous game of Scrabble since I was in high school. Like we basically are just always playing actually multiple games now because mm. we have the Scrabble yeah, app. Yeah. And so we just like start, we have like 13 yeah. games. And because that's how you have the feeling of playing the game is like mm-hmm. if you have multiple games going. And with her, I will say I don't feel competitive at all. Because my mom, she's a Scrabble beast, and I'm not even like trying to pretend like I'm on her level. <laughs> like, I don't feel um, she's got because I can't 30 wait. years on me, right? <laughs> yeah, right. All right, 23. But <laughs> you're bringing up some childhood trauma. My big sister and mom, uh, you know, Scrabble battles that they Scrabble put me battles, into. Right? This is something that you, <laughs> unites the three exactly of us. Exactly right. Oh. I'm like, we're not. We Scrabble should not cause harm. <laughs> but I will say this. So now with my mom, I really focus on the word pleasure, right? Mm. So I'm just like, oh, I really want to find like the best possible word I could here. Yeah. And, but even that feels sort of a, a, a inner competition with myself is just like oh I want that so it's not like I don't understand some of that impulse but for me I've never felt that around territory Mm. like so that's the part that I'm like I can't really understand and I've tried and I try I can't really get into the head of whoever was like I am just going to get on this boat and go land someplace where there's other living people and I'm not going to respect yeah. them and I'm going to actually think I can that they're a resource like the, the rubber trees and mm-hmm. chocolate and other yeah. stuff that is beyond my comprehension and so I'm like I, that means I also can't understand whatever damage led leads mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. kind right. of mm-hmm. um, imperialistic mindset right like I'm like yeah. I just don't get it yeah. and um, and yet it's like that's the thing we're actually up against is there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people on this planet who would love to be like collaborating with each other and figuring out how we survive here because this is literally the only place that we know we can survive in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. And then there's this small minority of people who are still convinced that the only way we can do it is, you know, by killing each other, by dominating each other. Yeah. And so I just think we have to continue to build something that's more compelling than that pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cognitive dissonances of that, lo- like those false logics, the the like tangible uh, remnant that always sticks out of my mind is when you see photos of the houses that like the British or the Dutch yes. built in all these places. It's like you're in the middle of the jungle and you built an English countryside <laughs> cottage. Exactly. It's like exactly. they have houses here. They have exactly. the material. Like you like shipped like, Gorgeous. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I, I mean, and it's I think, hot in there. It's not built. No, and it's not, it's not, it's like this doesn't work in any way. But I will say um, being in, in Penang, there was also, hmm. um, there were some of the structures that were colonial. Like, there's something about colonial architecture that I'm like, oh, I think I like some of this, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I always try to also be honest about the complexity of some of this stuff where I'm like, you know, these are beautiful balconies. 
also fuck y'all, you know, like just trying to <laughs> yeah. sit with them, you know, like all of the like, like to me, what's most interesting and, and still available to us is those places where culture intersects and collides and we just yeah. get inspired by stuff, yeah. right? I look at like um, there's a unique relationship between Germany and Japan that's kind of left over from World War II. Yeah. And when Japan, when so many spaces in Japan were completely destroyed, there was a German aesthetic that came into some of the redevelopment of those spaces. And it's just fascinating yeah. to be there and be like, well, I grew up in Germany. Mm. And I'm like, when I, in Japan or, you know, I feel very like there's a familiarity, there's a yeah. home energy to both of these places that I'm like, that doesn't necessarily make any sense. And yet right. here we are. Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, how do we do those intersections without violence? Like, yeah. how do we, how do we not have to overpower each other, but just rather be like, y'all got swag when it comes to balconies. Like, yeah, let's yeah. do this balcony. Yeah, you know, I'm like, work is, why isn't is every point, place yeah. looking like New Orleans? Like, exactly. if to me, the U.S. aesthetic should be New Orleans. That's clearly right. the best aesthetic that we've ever created in this mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. I'm like, every place, like, rather than us, you know, because I'm like, right now, New Orleans is in such peril. And trying to figure out, like, how to protect this place. I'm like, part of it is to turn and look at it as, like, that's a leadership when it comes to right. architecture and beauty of mm -hmm. space and, right. like, city layouts. Like And historically, like, one of, for better or worse, like, one of the truly most significant geographical spaces and cultural spaces in the country. In the world. And I th yes. Yeah, and I think we don't, because so much of how the history of the country is taught is through the East Coast, like, we don't understand that port for you know all of its violence exactly. and complexity as like that was that was the point of connection exactly. to the rest of the con to the rest to of the everywhere hemisphere else, you know to yeah. everywhere else and like when i look at like i'm just like you know if we're going to do the sameification thing where it's just mm -hmm. like let's just make everything look the same it's all then target. i'm like yeah. why is it big box stores and strip malls when it could yeah. be new orleans i know <laughs> i know Costs just like a little more to make New Orleans, but I, 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 I think one thing I'm like, that's does so it though? Okay. yeah, but one thing that's so beautiful that makes it you know when you're talking about some of the you know buildings in Penang or even in New Orleans is the way that those architectures and aesthetics change as they decay, yes, and get old and age yeah. and are overlapped, yes. like that. When I see photos in Vietnam or Thailand of these French buildings that have vines growing over them, exactly. and they look like the you know the ancient uh, like temples that are built in Cambodia that also yes. have vines. It's like oh, this is that's that um, right. the the circular narrative of it is that the power then gets subsumed by nature, and then Always. we build a new thing. And actually, this is one of my very favorite things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that like even everything we construct is nature. So mm -hmm. like I'm always <laughs> like oh like. I'm in this big city and now I need to go into the natural world. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. And I know, I know what I mean when I say that, which mm -hmm. is like, I need an actual tree and an actual river. But then when we're in a building, like we're in this little building right now in the middle of Chicago. And it's like, these are our anthills, right? Yeah. These are, these are the these things are that we dams. with our nature have like, these are our beaver dams. These, this is like what we have constructed. Yeah. And if we can start to understand it that way and be like, okay, what we have constructed these are not the systems that are actually necessarily most pleasing for our organic systems. Yeah. So why do we keep constructing spaces where we are cold or we are separated or we are um, uh, overexposed to to materials that we shouldn't be or other things? And I start to get really curious at the level of design and architecture. Yeah. And I always say that someone was always like, Adrian, you need to not be dating people in the movement. And I'm like, well, I understand what you mean because <laughs> of drama, but I also am like, but who, you know, I need to be with people who yeah. share an who alignment, can speak, my language. Can speak yeah. my language, but the exception, you know, and I'm like, okay, but if I wasn't with some people in movement, 
It would definitely be an architect, uh, everyone's, designer. Everyone's dream partner is an <laughs> architect. Everyone loves an architect. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, I'm looking for like a sexy, mm-hmm. you know, black international architect to add to my squad of, that's, of people. That's, you know? I mean, that's the dream. Yeah. I mean, what are we, what are we, that's actually. That's exactly. not neoliberalist. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm like, yeah. don't be an asshole. Because I like watch the like world's most extraordinary home show mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm always like, I can't. I Those know y'all are don't the worst. care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're both the worst and the best. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do you know, because yeah. I'm like, ah, you know, like I disagree with most of what you're saying. And the woman makes me happy. The woman on that show makes me happy because she's like, unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. Un- I mean, it's just, it's just outrageous. Like she just like her exuberance yeah, yeah, is no, really compelling thrilled. to me. Yeah. She's always thrilled by every single house. And, you know, and when she isn't, it shows. Like she's like, you know, but, but I'm also like, I know y'all aren't thinking necessarily about the impact to the land. I know you're not thinking about who gets to access this beauty. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm like, how do we normalize access to beauty, to beautiful structures, to organic structures? These things don't have to be horrible. Exactly. They could be collective. The conflict that I feel is that I like the design of the gentrifying condo buildings. You Like, like that? It looks cool. Like, you like the, that? <laughs> Don't you like that? Like the this is our first like big disagreement. W- wood with the big window, but like oh. I, I hate not the, oh. not, not no, the, not the a, gentrifier gray okay. steel building. No, not not like the a, ugly ones. No, there's okay. like a cool. They, they like sleek kind of <laughs> no, like. No, I love wood. I don't know if they do them everywhere. I love the wood city, and glass. It's like oh, that's a gentrifying yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah, like it's a very clear design. Yes. But when I first saw it, before I knew all of that, when I'm like, oh man, that's kind of cool. I would like to live there. That's a clean minimalist space. I like it. Minimalist exactly. But now, but the thing that's so silly about those is people never get curtains why do gentrifiers not get curtains okay i just want to come out of the closet as someone who i've lived in my home for well i was downstairs i was in another apartment for five years and then mm-hmm. i moved upstairs to the Ooh, second floor moving on up, yeah. and i moved upstairs to the second my, we had to literally. switch we literally had to switch my, my landlord was like i've got arthritis you need to come you know da, da. and when i first moved up there the experience of being up on the second floor was so enthralling to me because like I'd been on the ground floor. So I'd always had yeah. my curtains closed and everything. I was like, I'm a woman living alone. Y'all not yeah. going to see none of this. And then when I moved up, I just didn't get curtains. Right. Cause it was like, I'm South facing. There's just tons of light yeah. pouring in. And I loved it. And then someone came in and was clouded. They were just like, there's some white shit. Why don't you have no <laughs> curtains? Right. And I was like, Oh my you God. I got curtains. so ashamed. And, but I was like, That's well, funny. I feel, you know, I feel like there's no one next to me. I feel good yeah, in yeah. here. But finally this year I was like, okay, you know what? But it is a, a hilarious thing to me. Cause I'm just like, privacy matters to me, but I'm also really interested in light and spaciousness and yeah, connection yeah. and beauty yeah. and like how to balance those two. Yeah. No. And that's where the like, <laughs> how do you design something, you know, bespoke to your needs mm. rather than like, how do we manufacture That's boxes. what bespoke means. I was always like, what's bespoke? It's one of my favorite words. Here are my favorite words. And actually, I think okay. they all line up with things that we've been talking about. <laughs> so I love bespoke. Yes. And I, there was like a three month period where I just said biomimicry about everything. Uh, that's yeah. what I'm I know that's your shit. Oh, 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 so Segway so king over here. Yeah, Let's yeah. open it up. Thank you. We all actually, just fell out, but I think there's more words. Uh, Mm. And then a word in Italian, which is a fruit vendor. It's a frutti vendolo, which I just frutti, love. It. Frutti vendolo. And the word for uh, butterfly in like many languages is beautiful. Yes. Farfalla in Italian, mariposa in Spanish, the French know. word I can't remember, but they're like all some pretty, like some beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. I would know, but I failed French. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I know you better be an international traveler in your yeah. mouth. <laughs> I'm trying, but I actually want to ask you something okay. related to that because you said that you, if I heard correctly, that you grew up. At least partially in Germany, is that yes, what you said? It's true. So, I'm, oh, big news! Oh, yeah. Bra, 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 bra. I wasn't even going to go there. Nah. Wait, talk your shit. What? What? We'll come. 
go. Okay, talk okay, your fine. shit. So <laughs> I'm like, what's going it, on? It goes to all this conversation around how do we structurally create reparative systems. Ah, yes. So as of Thursday, my grandma's a Holocaust survivor. That didn't start on Thursday. That started <laughs> no, that started long ago, baby. <laughs> but as of as of Thursday, as part of the reparations bills that were passed in Germany, I'm now a German citizen. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I got five passports. I'm never going to jail. (laughs) But it's one of those, uh, it's been a very strange unpacking of like the the reaction of mostly what it feels like is like, this is not how things work. Yes. Like so few groups and individuals ever get the feel. Because, you know, people get settlements. But uh, the idea. They don't get their rights. They don't get that Some sort of um, like, I, I just was thinking about how many communal harms are done without there being this kind of reparative exactly. uh, move. And and so one being grateful and thoughtful and mm-hmm. understanding the privilege of that, but um, more than anything, just being like, oh, whenever you hear someone say like, well, it's not feasible mm-hmm. to talk about reparations or it's not mm-hmm. possible. It's like, well, we have, you know, Models. a laundry list of examples yeah. here. Well, um, it's Chicago. Right. With the reparations <laughs> yes. one. And I, so one thing that I, once I was thinking about this, I started reading was what are other examples of reparations being passed. So outside of the country, there's in Germany and in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but then within the country, I, you know, we, we talk about the the harms of Japanese internment. And I think it was that Tuskegee and forced sterilization in North Carolina all had reparations bills in, in response to. And so I didn't know about that being something in response to those. Um, and so... It's it 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 makes all this feel much more yeah. tangible, feasible, and like we have models to build off of. That's great. But I'm curious for you, yeah. having you know grown up there, and, and they've had as a country such a challenging and interesting relationship with trying to figure out like how do you repair yeah. an enormous harm. Are there examples of things that you know now looking back, you're like, oh, this was a norm that isn't here that has been useful in your thinking about that. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I was there, my father was in the military for 30 years, and so we would be there on these bases, you know, mm. talk about, like, everything looking the same, yeah. we'd be on these little bases. So I was in Budigan, and then Mannheim, and then Bomberg. And Mannheim's where my grandma's from, actually. Really? Yeah, that's wild. Oh, my God. Shana we might be grandma. related, because, yeah. you know, something that's I figured wild. out later, I didn't know this, I mean, the whole time we were growing up in Germany, we didn't realize this, but then later we did one of those ancestry things, mm-hmm. and it was like... Our lineage is actually in partially in Germany. Like mm-hmm. it's a large portion of our lineage, wow. which I also thought was, there was to me something really beautiful about the idea that like I actually grew up in a homeland, <laughs> even though I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> um, but a norm that I saw in Germany that I really am longing for here, and I think we're beginning to have here, was um, a non-erasure of the past. Right. So growing up, it was not unusual to go on field trips to Auschwitz, to Dachau, to places where great harm, Bergen-Belsen, like had happened. And they would tell the story honestly. So it wasn't like, it wasn't everywhere. It wasn't all the time. But it was the containers where that pain had happened had been been kept, right? Kept in such a way that it was like, we are not going to forget that this is what we did. And we all need to understand that this is what we did. And we're not going to beautify it in any way. This is what we did. And it feels like in the U.S., and particularly, you know, but my other lineage then is Southern. All, my parents are both from South Carolina, mm-hmm. and I grew up partially in Georgia. And so going to a plantation in the South 
what you get is this like often beautiful story of the gorgeous architecture yeah. and like look at the land and like and, oh there's some slave house and you know let's keep going over yeah. here right it was just like no um proper exploration of like the damage the harm the trauma and so um last year i was part of this kind of a mess thing that but but i was part of this <laughs> kind of a thing but no part of disorganized like organized you know <laughs> Yeah, it, well, it was funders, but um, but <laughs> it was this. They one of the best parts of it is that we got to go down in in Montgomery to see the new lynching museum hmm. that is um, outs. I mean, like outstanding, mm-hmm. an outstanding, painful space. It's like pulls no punches. This is what we need to understand um, as human beings that live in this country. We need to understand that this is actually our history. And and what they're doing with it is they've created these monuments that they, there's two pieces, there's two parts of the monument. One is going to hang forever in that space in the lynching museum, and it's for each town in the state. It tells here's who, how many people were lynched and what their names are and what we know about hmm. them. It's on the monument. And then they have a secondary piece that has all the same information that is available if that town wants to take it and actually erect it wow. in the town, right? Wow. And so to me, it's just like, what? you know, like my mind is blown when I think about the the brilliance of that as a strategy. It's like, yeah, yeah it all happened here. And also it happened all over the South. Yeah. And we don't reckon with it as a history. And then people are like, why are black people so mad? It's like, y'all lynched us <laughs> like until like now you're still doing it. Yeah. And because you won't acknowledge that you did it, you, like you can't Compounding see that you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you don't un- even understand the context of what lynching is. Right. You need to go understand that so that we can even have a conversation. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So that's one of the, to me, the sort mm. of a legacy of growing up in a place mm. that I was like, Germany understands that it hit rock bottom as a human yeah. as a human experiment and that it was it is now actively on its way back. I don't think the US has ever really reckoned with the fact that we hit rock bottom that we started out at rock bottom. Yeah. And, and we that, keep pointing to our rock bottom being like that was pretty sweet. Like there's like a exactly. large group of people being like I liked that rock bottom. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I wish yeah. we could get back to it yeah. and our president is, you know, trying to get us there yeah. so you know make america just, hit rock bottom make america hit rock bottom <laughs> <laughs> shit <laughs> so that's real, fascinating yeah. yeah so i i really question. i yeah. i that yeah that, that's is, like that, that question was banging you yeah, i'm yeah, gonna yeah. give you a high five on oh. that question. that was a direct <sighs> now my uh, my hand is tingling like my lips are <laughs> every I, you know i i leave in effect i've been, yeah. I, I've been here <laughs> <laughs> right, so I, I want to talk a little bit, um, and we, we gotta we gotta probably wrap up soon. You're busy, <laughs> you're busy, right? And, and that's something. Well, I, I'm I, so excited about what I get to do here. Today. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a super. What you doing? I'm a super, 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 super huge fan of Charlene Carruthers. Oh, Ooh. shout out! Just I've gotten to be Charlene. like a yeah, facilitator yeah. of the BYP 100 under her stewardship, and now under the new stewardship. And I just think she is one of our golden tickets to freedom. Mm-hmm. I've got her book in my bag to get it signed, mm-hmm. and I'm getting to be in conversation with her today. So I'm just saying. Uh, that's super exciting. That's, yeah. that's, that's going to be a dope conversation. For people who won't make it, is it going to be on Oh, yeah. You know, I did it a couple years ago. I got to do a conversation with Chani Nicholas, the People's Astrologer. Mm-hmm. And they posted okay. like actual video. Like it's like a video that you okay, can go cool, back and cool. watch that so conversation. So I'm, I'm guessing that we'll be able to do that. Definitely go check it out. So yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about okay. emergent strategy. We don't have to oh, get yeah, yeah, we, too we deep should. about it. But, yeah. but it, you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like your, your blueprint. You're like, you know, you're... 
Actually, that was a, a double entendre. But like, I know. I'm, I'm making mixtape jokes, but it was like you're Illmatic, <laughs> you're like late registration into graduation, yeah. you're yeah. miseducation. Okay. Um, right. Okay. It was. It was. It was in the spaces where it needed to be. It yeah. was very impactful. Yeah. Right. And so everybody should just go read it. And I, I think something you did really effectively is the way you organized it. Is you can get the point without yes. having to read the entire book, which yes. was really really effective. And so some of the the basic ideas are being fluid. Yes. Right, being in, in touch with nature, having kind of uh, a symbiotic relationship with your environment, and addressing some of the, like unhealthy pressures that we put on ourselves when we try to organize, when we try to be strategic, um, and so that's really affected all the spaces I'm in. Definitely, let us breathe collective. Want to shout out Jenna Anas, two fangirls Yay. over you, really hard, and has facilitated Aww. in other spaces. So I want to make sure she heard her name in this conversation. Say her name for me again, Jenna Anast. Jenna Anast. Yes, I think uh, okay. journeys with Jenna. Oh, she just liked something on my Instagram. Ah, uh, yes. I imagine <laughs> that wasn't the first. Okay. She's, she's, she's a Hi, big Jenna. fan. Hi, um, I'm sending you a hug. And so it was really helpful because I think we can often be unhealthy in how we organize. Yeah. And so you gave language to a lot of things that we knew, uh, but but like really contextualized. My question is, with all of this, how do we get shit done? That's great. Right? That's like, Because yeah. how do we deal with the, the, the guilt and shame of like productive thinking mm. that we need to, mm. you know, get our goals, that we need to be mm-hmm. moving linearly. And so the, the, the struggle that I'm feeling over the last probably year or so since I've really internalized the ideas is like to allow, to, to you know, be free and trying to work for freedom. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like it feels like we're always dropping the ball or it feels great. like we're never um, reaching towards the outcomes that we that we seek. I've got and two so, answers yeah, for you. Yeah, how do you work with that, that that tension? One is trust and the other is good conflict. So the first part is um, there's a there's a line in there that I learned from Mervyn Marcano that is move at the speed of trust. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when people hear that, initially they think it means to move very slowly. Yeah. Like, oh, then we got to go slow, like sloth snails, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, Initially, usually that is the truth. Like you have to move pretty slowly because you're building trust and you want to move slow enough that like when you hit those places that feel like an impasse that you can name it and be like, are we disagreeing? Like what's happening here? And you can move through it. And if you're going too fast, usually what happens is one person will compromise in that moment and the other will just keep going without even maybe realizing there was a compromise. And then that that little seedlet of a moment creates a resentment that like 10 years down the line explodes your organization, Mm -hmm. right? Or five years or two years, you know, time is moving faster and faster Mm -hmm. in these arcs. So moving at the speed of trust, initially building it slowly. um, What I have found in, in every organizing space where I've applied this principle is that after a while of moving slowly, then we start to move at a medium pace. And then eventually it becomes very quick because it's like, I know you and yeah. I trust you. I know what you're like under pressure. I trust what you actually care about. I know what you don't care about. I trust you not to lie to me and not to fake me out with mm-hmm. like a the kind of report that you might send, you you know, a grant or something. You know, it's like, yeah. you're not going to, you're not trying to impress me with a false story. Like right. I trust you to be in a real story with me. So that's the first thing is like, Groups that deeply trust each other get a shit ton done, right? Groups that don't trust each other might have a lot of plans and a lot of meetings, but nothing ever happens. Mm. And if you're in a space like that where you're like, we've been meeting for like so long and nothing's (laughs) happening, it's like there's a trust breakdown somewhere here. And Mm. if you can shine a light on it, you will be able to move to another place. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. And then the other part is being able to fight well. Like uh, most of us learn conflict 
either we learn to do too much, like over conflict, we're fighting mm-hmm. everyone all the mm-hmm. time, yeah. or the majority of us are actually passive, passive aggressive, or we bury the conflict or we try to avoid it. We're mm-hmm. highly conflict avoidant. Mm-hmm. And we think that a healthy space, a healthy organizational space is one in which there's like no conflict. And it's actually the opposite is right, true. Like right. the healthiest, and this is nature shows us like the biodiversity, you know, people actually trying to move against each other and be like, Mm, is this your beaver dam area or my beaver dam? Bringing it back around to the beavers, right? It's like there needs to be some of that tension and that push to strike a balance and to create something that's greater than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. So that learning how to be in healthy conflict means you have to really know, like, what do I stand for? Can I hear that this other person stands for something different? Can I find the places of alignment? And then can I can I engage in principled struggle? Right. And this idea, um, Tanya Lee brought this to a group of folks that that we were working with a couple years ago. And it was like, are we struggling for the purpose of deeper unity or just to be right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Are we being responsible for our own feelings and actions or are we saying we're just pure victims of the world and like everyone else is responsible for everything we're doing? Are we able to, um, to, to understand what kind of container we're in, right? Like, because this is my favorite thing that's happening in movements right now, and I say favorite with, like, sarcasm. It's, like, that everyone is showing up to every space expecting it to take care of every possible need, every identity, everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, we don't have the resources to do it that way. Each of us actually needs what I think of as, like, uh, that political home or mm-hmm. home base. Mm-hmm. Each of us needs a place like that that's, like, this container is, is going to hold all of me. Right. And then to move into alliances and networks and other spaces that are like, this container is going to, in the prison industrial complex, right. this container is going to do this other thing. Like, it's not about you, right? Yeah. It's not about you. Yeah. And I think trying to strike that balance of like, I get to bring my whole self here and I understand that here is not about me, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That balance to me feels so crucial. So being able to engage in that kind of principled struggle is a skill set that I'm trying to build all hmm. over the place. Yeah. I'm doing more and more mediation than facilitation these hmm. days for that purpose I because should. I'm really interested in, you know, I don't really need to facilitate another staff retreat or another <laughs> planning session, right? And not for nothing, you know, like yeah, those yeah. need to happen, but I've done that for 20 years. And so for my interest yeah. and for me to still be engaged, I'm like, the places where it gets interesting are, to me are where people think we can't move through this. Hmm. And then I'm like, okay. But we have to. <laughs> so what are we going to do? What are we going right. to do? Yeah, right? right. And some, someone else is moving mm-hmm. always against us. Right? right. We need to be in forward motion. And we can't. I think sometimes we let ourselves get stagnant in local conflict or in, in intimate conflict because we're too terrified to turn and face the actual enemy. Absolutely. Right? Um, and so this is why we all need to be watching Game of Thrones and really studying it. Because <laughs> I say Game of Thrones. <laughs> I say Game of Thrones. I think that might be a first <laughs> in all of existence. We've done good that work. That was the here piece today. that they needed. That yeah. was the one. That was that was the. Let the, the Night King get off a little bit more. Oh. And throw some um, in there. Are you caught up? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know you, but this is the language I use to people. Of anybody that I know, yes, I know the most about the show. Of anyone they know, ooh, I've probably watched each episode a minimum, multiple times, a minimum of fifteen times. This is me. Okay, you watched each episode a minimum of fifteen times. I'm really, yeah, I'm a multiple watcher. Also, mm-hmm. I'm a multiple that watcher. That is what I've been doing all yes. this time. You're like, this is what I've been literally yeah, been yeah, studying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know what you're doing. This is, I will say this: how emergent strategy came to pass 
was because I was reading Octavia and studying her that way. That mm. I was reading each of her, I've read each of her books I've also read 20 Revolution plus Revolution times, right? Exactly, times. right? <laughs> when you keep going back to, yeah. you know, when you find a text, because Game of Thrones is just a visual text, right. right? When you find a text, it's like, there's something in here that's really compelling to me and you return to it, that's scholarship. And I'm right. really interested in like, how do we begin to really engage in scholarship for the content that we're mostly receiving now? Yeah. And so Game of yeah, Thrones has been point. like an exciting one for, especially where we are now. I'm like, what it takes, you know, to me, it's a beautiful example of emergent strategy too, because I'm like, what it takes to actually build enough like trust between the the viewers mm-hmm. and the show creators, right? Because I'm like, okay, so you're gonna kill her, okay? <laughs> All right, I expected this. Yeah. I knew it since yeah. she since we met her. I knew that this yeah. was she was not gonna live all the way to the end. Um, I had a few moments of hoping that, you know, like whatever, but I was like, but I trust what you're doing here and you gave her a good death and Mm -hmm. I can live with it or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, right? And just being like, oh, I trust these. I trust these random ass (laughs) dudes in Hollywood or whatever. Um, Because George R. R. Martin has kind of lost lost the reins, but in the in the best way, Mm -hmm. right? That's also really interesting to me to say. So you hit the end of what you had written, and then you gave permission. Whatever permission Which, was in that conversation to be like a world and then it <laughs> it's over. I mean, years it's, it's fan fiction, stuff, and you're right? still working. It's like on it. basically Game of Thrones now is just the highest grade fan fiction that you could yeah. ever imagine, yeah. and it's really that it's really exciting to me that I'm like. I'm curious now because what we're getting is parallel universes of yeah. what the show creators now have done and how they're going to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And then if George R. R. Martin ever actually gives us more content, yeah. then we'll have that other pathway. I and know. like, I'm like here for it. Yeah. And people <laughs> might actually engage with that and then try to have to try to make sense of how exactly. we have two endings. And, you know, it's not choose your own adventure. It's exactly. like there are many adventures, like our adventures yeah. go. Create more possibilities. Exactly. And then, you know, I always think about like someday aliens are going to come down and be like, you know, fuck? what have y'all got to <laughs> offer? And like in some, you, you know, in some parallel universe, like maybe the only thing they'll have is like the DVD set of Game <laughs> yeah. of Thrones and the books. <laughs> and they're like, I want to understand this species. <laughs> to be honest, it's a pretty, it'll explain like yeah, the last 500 yeah, years of history. Exactly. There's, it's accurate. all in there. It's good myth. It's all in there. <laughs> good, and, good and especially everything you need to know about organizing mm. is in there because mm-hmm. I'm like yes, watching is. how these, um, how so many people who were like, you know, actually again, Mervyn Marcano is really the most brilliant person I know and so I talk about him a lot. Um, but he posted about Game of Thrones. He was like, all these people have been recruited to care about the power of the people. That's literally right. all we're all we ever are really trying to do is be like the power of the people and the power of the collective is more important and is a more compelling future for us than the power of any individual, mm-hmm. no matter how brilliant they are. And in Game of Thrones, I love watching that where I'm like, look at these recruitments. You needed right. all of these people to get through each of these battles. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you got through it is because somebody and often many different people were like, but are you about the people? Yeah. Are you actually about the people? And now I'm like watching Sansa just like, like no. and most of the time they start off being no. Yeah. And then three seasons later, right. they ride up right during the battle. Like, do you need some fire sticks? Because I got fire. It's you know, like it's a for, the, for the archive, uh, episode four airs tomorrow of season eight, which means the Battle of Winterfell just happened this week. The Battle of Winterfell. And that's this. The, I've watched it, I think, seven times wow. so far. It's I keep it, watching it. It's why it's so refreshing that John's such a bad leader. Yes. I love that. because <laughs> well, so Also nice. that he's, to me, I mean, like, I, I see in him so many of the people that I end up facilitating <laughs> who are just sort of like, I didn't mean to end up here. (laughs) I have seen something that shitting terrifies me. Y'all are all concerned with like who's in charge. 
I just want to not be scared to go to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. I came I've back from the it. dead. Like, you can exactly. Say, I've, I've seen, seen it. it. I've seen, exactly. I've I'm like, look, Cersei, yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. And I, that's the only thing. Well, I don't want to. Okay. Spoiler. That's Cover your ears if you haven't seen this. Skip ahead 30 seconds. Skip ahead 30 seconds. I just want to say the only thing I feel really sad about is I really wanted to see a Night King Cersei thing. Like I felt like, right? I feel like she was going to seduce him or something that I could something. not quite imagine. Something. So I really wanted to see that. I and like, yeah, I wanted the, to see that. But that was the only thing that can humble her, in my opinion. All right, yeah, all I know. Right. I know we gotta get out of here. I have like one last Never question. Ending podcast. Back, <laughs> I know. Well, I back, promise. Back, we'll back, back, to, back to about you, and I want to kind of like oh, circle with how where we started. <laughs> um, <laughs> I promise you. So, so okay. To the idea of worship, right? Like you have <laughs> have entered into a space where, in a very particular sect of the world, yes, you have like prominence. You have a lot of light. You have a stage. Uh-huh. You're, you're busy, right? Yes. And so yeah, yeah. you have this balance of like probably everywhere that you are invited to go. Yeah. People really know you, but you're still able to like move through the world regularly. Yeah. Uh, but I want to compare that to how you mentioned your skepticism when you were first meeting Grace. Oh, snap. Of, <laughs> you know, you, 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 are, you are frequently quoted in spaces that I'm at. So I know okay. where you're at. People quote you all the time, right? Uh-huh. And That's so true. how do you balance how you operate, how you understand yourself, how you move against your 2010 version yeah, of somebody that was so inherently good. skeptical of somebody who was brilliant, but on a pedestal? Yeah, that's good. Ugh. I'm blushing because this question is very live for me right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm very much like, oh, God. Like, um, And you don't have to have an answer also. That's well, I mean, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a lot of questions, right? Because... That's even better. Um, for a long time, I was like, I'm not doing that. You know, I've been offered what I think of as like, here's a crown. Mm. And I've I've multiple John times Snow. in my life, right? And like, <laughs> no, thank you. Right. I don't mm-hmm. want that. And like Jon Snow yeah, yeah. flailing around, just like, okay, I'm screaming at a dragon. Like, what's going on? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And um, I think one thing that's helped with this latest iteration is that I've landed in like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, mm. so I'm engaging, you know, like both emergent strategy and pleasure activism are largely questions of yeah. a book, right? For me, the central question of emergent strategy is how do we get back in right relationship with the planet and each other? Like how? And for pleasure activism, how do we make justice and liberation the most pleasurable experiences we can have with each other? Mm. And I'm like, I don't know the answers yet. Both books are my offers of like, here's as much data as I have on what does and doesn't work based on what I've seen as a facilitator because you get to see everything as a facilitator. You really get to see mm-hmm. everything about a group and yeah. about about people. But when I've been offered the crown in the past, it has been out of alignment with my spirit or my soul. Like what I would feel is like someone was offering it to me and in the offer I could feel the compromises that I was going to have to make. And frankly, like having to do a bunch of shit I don't care about, right? Because I'm just like, I, you know, and I, I just sat down with a group of funders last week for the first time in, in basically a decade. Because I was like, I'm not doing that again. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and, and the reason I was willing to sit down with them was because it was a group of people who were like, we want to foment emergent strategy in the institutions that we are a part of. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, now we can talk because you're not trying to hold a power dynamic over me and then telling me you believe in revolution, right? Mm -hmm. You're actually saying, I want to get in the boat with you. Like, can we do this together? And all of these are front lines. And it challenged me to be like, right, all of these are front lines. There's a front line inside of philanthropy. I have to take that seriously. Um, And 
I have so much of a team now. There's so many people who are holding elements of this and parts of this. So for both emergent strategy and pleasure activism, half of what people are quoting is not mine, right? <laughs> They're like, this was in emergent strategy. And I'm like, yes, and Naima said it, right. and Brenda Salgado said it, and Malkia Surreal said it. And, you know, like I get to reference all these other human beings that are blowing my mind and teaching me. Um, so there's that. And then um, trying to enjoy the parts of it that are enjoyable. So like last night, you know, I did a book signing and people brought me presents, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> I, I like that. Like, you know, like I yeah. can't pretend I don't enjoy presents. Like I yeah. do. And especially I got- Especially a, from the jump. That's I mean, it was such a night. I was like, <laughs> hi, I got t-shirts. I got chocolate. I got a joint. I got um, <laughs> a, a curriculum that someone created. Like, oh, I'm blown away by this. Someone made a whole curriculum I'm trying to, I'm just like pulling up my Instagram because I yeah. want to name the organization. Oh, I saw that this morning. Yeah. I, I like freaked out and I, I literally just stood, we just stood screaming at each other. <laughs> the young cultural stewards, um, um, this person named Arena, and like they, they came up and they just hand me this curriculum that's like, mm. this is all based on emergent strategy and the art of flocking. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah. So I'm like, these kind of gifts that come back, because as a facilitator, you're never, in front of people. Like you're not supposed to even be seen really. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. I am behind the scenes, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And as a writer, mostly you're by yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So these, it's also interesting now to be writing and be like, oh, I'm writing. And at some point, this effort, this solitary, lonely, and often really, um, you know, writing a book is a transformative process in and of itself. You yeah. have to be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and no one should read anything that I ever write. <laughs> and you have to move through Especially that. Especially coming from a non-academic Exactly, concept, right? Because yeah. I'm like, I'm just out here saying, I'm going to make a book for organizing and include a chapter on Beyonce. That doesn't make any sense, <laughs> right? Like, right. I can very much see the critiques that people will have of me about that. It still feels like what I need to do. Right. So you have to like move through and be like, I don't care. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming mm-hmm. Beyonce. Right. Like, you know, and not have whatever to defend yourself from those critiques. Right. All the time or even too. like, you, I mean, for me, I do, you know, I'm like, I take all the critiques seriously, but because I'm a Virgo, I'm like, I've pre-processed them in some mm-hmm. way. Right. Like I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I've already had this conversation. <laughs> this is ridiculous, <laughs> but you know what? I care about it. And so, you know, yeah. so there's a way that like every word in my books is one that I had to fight myself for the right to put on the page. Mm-hmm. And so then by the time I'm going out into the world and interacting with people, I'm just like, look, you may or may not love it, but I love it. And like, that's all I'm offering, right? It's like, this is what mm-hmm. feels really true for me in this moment. And then I don't know how I'm going to deal with like the worshipy part of that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I still kind of pause when people are like, yeah, I've read your book or here's some, I'm referencing something. Um, And so most of it is just like, I have a really good tight inner circle that is super solid and they're not impressed. I mean, they're like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? They're like, yeah, "Yeah, you're cool. You're smart. You've always been smart, whatever. But like, Almost all of my closest friends are not on social media. Mm. And if they are, they're like not paying that much attention to what I'm doing. Like I have friends who, you know, I was like, I'm on the New York Times bestseller. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, it's just like, whatever. So it helps me. Well, you're you're late to dinner. (laughs) And yeah, exactly. They're like, but you still didn't call me and you said you would. So Mm. it helps so much to have those people who are like, I know the real you. Mm. I know the real work you've done. And they celebrate the real victories, Mm -hmm. which are very rarely... The ones yeah. that show up in the That's public great, sphere, yeah. right? And so that helps a ton. So that when I do show up, I'm like, I am in my abundant joy and y'all can all experience that. But it's not because of your fandom, yeah. right? I'm like, That's cool. 
mostly I just want you to read read these ideas and contend with them in your work. And whether you see me or not is whatever. But I'm like, but I also am happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, I want to be happy as much as I can of my life. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah. One word, check out. Or one, three words. <sighs> it's so hard. Uh, everybody do your assignments. So do some shrooms, <laughs> high five. Do somebody. your work. Do your work. Do uh, your work. I'm... I'm, I'm it's not one word. It's one You moment. failed miserably. You're I, like 12 yeah, yeah. words <laughs> Like, just to say. The thing I'm thinking about <laughs> is that last part that you, you struggle with. I, I have noticed a, a trajectory of black women who um, are adamant about the worshiping or the celebration or the uplifting of black women who find discomfort in receiving <laughs> it. Uh, and just like that. It feels be- really That weird. beautiful balance is yeah. why like we need yeah. to honor black women's leadership. So. Oh, Yes. I'm just grateful you took the time you took to yes. be in this space with us. And, you know, it's it's just always great to see strands connect and ripples overlap. So thank you. Conversation gasm. Thank you. Yeah. We'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Love. <laughs> Hey, Rosie. Yes, Daniel. Do you listen to podcasts? Sometimes. Well, you should really listen to your podcast on Overcast. It's an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. How do you feel about exclusives? You know, where like you can only hear it in one place. I don't like that. How about like premium content where you have to pay extra for it? No, thank you. What about like a paywall where you can't even see what it is until you pay? Uh Uh-uh. Well, the good news is Overcast doesn't have any of those. It's just a great podcast app for everyone. Great. You can get it for free on the App Store.